Hi, and welcome to Serenity Now, a place for entrepreneurs to ask questions, learn, get connected, and be inspired. Join us as we talk about all things business and the search for the ever elusive Serenity Now in both business and personal life. In this episode of Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs, we chat about something that many companies have considered doing but aren't doing, firing a client. When do you consider taking this step? We all have those clients where the relationship just isn't working, everybody's annoyed and frustrated, and the more mature our business gets, the more we realize that maybe we just didn't have a really good discussion about what our expectations are and what the client's expectations are and make sure that those things align. Is there a point in time that you know this could be a challenging client to work with? It's so exciting getting a client, of course, it's very exciting, but listening to your gut instinct, having that experience, and it's okay to say no. Also in that discovery session, we also find out if they're coachable or not. You're coming to us for advice, and yet Mm -hmm. you're telling me what to do. You know, you'd try it a couple of times and say, maybe, you know, they need to get it off their chest and they feel better. And I say, okay, let it, let it, let it out. But if you do this a few more times, and I'm going to say, well, perhaps we'll take a step back at this point. Should this be an annual ritual? We would have an annual client purging. And so in order to, we literally did, because we were getting to the point where we either had to, we either had to grow or we had to look at which clients were um, the biggest problem, taking the most time for the least amount of money. And who should be involved? It's not a subjective exercise by any means. But it was a really good system because everybody in the firm had a chance to um, contribute to it. And there were things that they knew about the client that I didn't know, like they promised, 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 promised to send something and then follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. You know, and when they did, it was great. But it took us, you know, six months to get them to send one thing. So a decision has been made. How do you fire a client? It's got to be a win-win. You got to be able to help them. If I can't help you move forward. Why would I take your money? Don't want to out and out say that you're fired because what if later that person's at another company or yeah yeah you know you gotta you gotta do it professionally kindly and uh, sometimes always respectfully always respectfully, respectfully. Yeah. yeah there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there that may feel stuck or don't know how to move on from certain clients in their roster take a listen and learn how some business veterans have done this so that it can give you some serenity now. Welcome to this episode of Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs. We are going to be unpacking something that's a little bit unique. And we're going to start off with the title of How to Fire a Client. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening are like, what? Why would you fire a client? Or how would you fire a client? And at what point does it make sense to fire a client? And we're going to unpack that for everyone today because it is something that we're seeing past COVID, you know, through COVID, alignment uh, of values, alignment of business, the business needs is, is changing quite a bit in the in the ecosystem. So it's really important to have the skills and also understand at what point we would recommend or look at firing our own clients um, and what that really means. So Candice, 
is actually um, an excellent Serenity sister to kick off this topic um, because there's some changes happening in her in her business in the firm. Um, and so I'm going to kind of let you tell us a little bit of a story around what this hiring and firing a client like. What does that actually look like? <laughs> For sure. So I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't actually call it firing. I think it would be like a clarification of expectations. Is more well along, the, yeah, is more <laughs> along the lines, right? So we all have those. I don't know if you're, especially if you're in a, a service provider, you all, you, we all have those clients where the relationship just isn't working. Everybody's annoyed and frustrated, and the more mature our business gets, the more we realize that maybe we just didn't have a really good discussion about what our expectations are and what the client's expectations are and make sure that those things align. So now what we're doing is we're really focusing on, um, especially the relationships that don't seem to be going well, is going back and having those conversations and making sure that what they're actually expecting from us is what we're able to provide to those clients and where there's not an alignment, having a discussion about what that looks like. Okay, maybe we're not the service provider for you. Maybe you need to realign your expectations. Um, or maybe, you know, we need to make a slight change in how we're servicing you to meet your expectations if if that all works out. So I wouldn't say it's firing. And I think it would it's just that that really deep analysis of what the expectations are. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you every once in a while. There's just a really, you know, not, you know, stellar individual that just needs to leave the office right away. And we've had those two. But but uh, I think there's ways of avoiding that. Actually, Nina, you mentioned uh, the fire, the fire them before you hire them approach. <laughs> well, when we were talking about this episode and like talking about firing clients and, you know, this is probably because I've done this for 20 years. So you it's a combination of gut instinct and, and just a lot of learning and experience of like when you're having those initial meetings with potential clients, it's like somebody's interested in your service and we have a boutique marketing agency you you have to in my case I have to learn about the company and what it is that they do to know that can we can we market them can we help them in some way now the first question we ask is who's your target market and if and almost every company will say but everybody would love my product everyone's my target market and you know of course you're proud of what you do and I get that but if you don't have the budget for marketing worldwide to every single person on planet Earth, then we, we're, we're not going to be able to do a good job for you. And so we have to really be able to see like, okay, are we on the same page with this client? Um, do they are they asking us to market their brand new company where they have new no experience as an award winning best option in their industry that that can't happen. We can't market like that. We have to market authentically and honestly, truthfully. And so those are the things that help me decide of like, can we work with this person? And that vetting process is really important. It's so exciting getting a client, of course. It's very exciting. But listening to your gut instinct, having that experience, and it's okay to say no. Also, just somebody's, um, sometimes somebody's demeanor, how they speak to you. If there's a little bit of a lack of respect distrust or they seem like they're not coachable in a sense or not open to the concepts of marketing 
traditional marketing. Um, when you're the one that has the experience, they have no experience in marketing, but they're like, hey, this is how I want to do marketing. And you're like, oh, right. no, that this is not going to work, right? Because they have their own ideas, but they're not going to let you use your expertise to help them. So that that's how we weed out those people. Mm-hmm. Rita. Yeah, I'm going to tag along those pieces there, Nina, in our initial session with a client, we call it a discovery session. And it gives an opportunity for us as well as the potential client to get to know one another. Um, and, and they might not like our demeanor either. They might not like how <laughs> we want to look at things. So it gives them that opportunity because we're very blunt. We're very straightforward. But some of the things that we look for in that discovery session is is akin to what you said on marketing, but on the lending side. I kid you not, we have the most interesting discovery sessions. I had a guy who said, well, I know you can get me the money because you're good at it and you've got the reputation to do it. So um, what numbers do you want me to have? And I said, what what are you talking about? He said, well, I got the black book and I got the other book. So which one do you want? No, no. And I'm just like, Red flag, red flag, red flag. So you you know that got dialed out pretty quickly. Um, I had an emergency, so I had to get off the call, and I never called them back. It's like what the heck, you know? So there there are grounds, and like you talked about, you know, ethics. Well, in the finance world, if we if we try to work with our partners in the industry with someone who's not ethical, uh, immoral doing illegal stuff, you know, um, working with, you know, countries that, uh, you know, we can't work with. Those are easy ones for us to kind of say where we, we might not be the right choice for you for this particular project and take a step back. Um, but also in that discovery session, we also find out if they're coachable or not. You're coming to us for advice mm-hmm. and yet you're telling me what to do. And yeah. You know, you'd try it a couple of times and say, maybe, you know, they need to get it off their chest and they feel better. And I say, okay, let it, let it, let it out. But if you do this a few more times, and I'm going to say, well, perhaps we'll take a step back at this point. So that's just on the initial discovery, um, you know, before you hire a client. And, and for Partners for Growth, it's going to sound really strange. Our stats are 80% no mm. for all clients. So there's very few that actually make it past discovery. So it's interesting. And Peggy, you've got a really cool system. So if you have clients and then if they don't fit. Well, I had I had a different situation where I was a little bit separated for operations because I had a staff, um, much like what Steph has. And and although I dealt with the clients on one level, they would deal sometimes with my staff differently. So we would have an annual client purging. And so in order to, we literally did, because we were getting to the point where we either had to, we either had to grow or we had to look at which clients were um, the biggest problem, taking the most time for the least amount of money, you know, and fee wise. So Mm -hmm. we actually had a grid system where we would rate our fee level with that client from A to D. D being the smallest fees, and then we would rate the client from from one to three. So they might be an A1 client because they were a larger fee client and absolutely great to deal with and paid well 
and things moved along well as long as well for us we also rated in their their science because sometimes with weak shred claims they can be the best people in the world and they can pay well and everything but if the science is weak then we're kind of you know we're at risk with CRA so we use that grid system and every year we'd sit down and one year we went from 130 claims um, our clients we took it right down to 100 because we found a big group of them in the D category. And we, so we made it a policy. If you were in D, which would have been, you know, small enough fee, and you were a D1 and it just went through zippity quick, then we kept you. But if you were a D2 or D3, you were gone. And we politely just did not contact you again. And if they did call, then we had to either talk about a different fee or um, we wouldn't take you on if you were in that D3 category. We also did it with the C category as um, costs, you know, grew. And we looked at the people in that C category and said, you know, this is an iffy one. If you're a C1, you get to stay. If you're a C2 or C3, we kind of looked individually at those ones that decided. But it was a really good system because everybody in the firm had a chance to um, contribute to it. And there were things that they knew about the client that I didn't know, like they promised, 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 promised to send something and then follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. You know, and when they did, it was great. But it took us, you know, six months to get them to send one thing. Right. Whereas, yeah. You know, and that takes time. That takes mm-hmm. effort. Go ahead. Yeah. Kent. yeah and I was going to say, Peggy, I, 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 on the point of um, involving your staff in the process, I think that's a really good thing. I think our firm early on, we didn't really involve our staff or empower our staff to make judgment calls on whether we should accept a client or not, or even give them a frame of reference as to what that might look like. And and we're working on that more now um, because you're right. The the staff often know more than we do. And usually, and not always, but sometimes they're younger. They don't have the experience or, or, or the confidence to tell a client no. So, I think involving them with the process is really important so that they get that experience and the confidence and the framework into to understanding which clients meet the criteria and which clients just don't. So then the yeah. next thing that you have to look at is once you've d- determined which clients you're going to keep and which ones you're going to release, it's a question of how to do it. And, you know, the how-to can be as easy as upping their price. That will often send some of those ones that I talked about in the, you know, the bottom category. That'll send them packing right away. <laughs> and and then other ones, we just didn't recontact them. And it was bad parting. We just didn't seek them out. They didn't seek us out. So it was a happy ending. But there are times when you have to literally tell a client, I can't do your claims anymore. So, Candace, did you have that experience? I think you were telling us earlier about some clever letter or something that you drafted or wasn't it you um possibly but i can't remember the content of the letter right now but uh i mean i I, there was one client where um we just told them that as of a certain date we weren't you know covid brought along a lot of changes and and as of a certain (laughs) date we weren't going to be able to do the rec didn't say that we were you know, suffering from suffering from COVID. We just basically (laughs) we just basically implied that COVID has caused a bunch of changes and therefore we couldn't do their work anymore. I just let them make whatever assumptions that they right. And I think that that was partly why I brought that up is because you don't want to out and out say that you're fired. Because what if later that person's at another company or yeah, yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta do it professionally, kindly, and. Always respectfully. Always respectfully. respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. 
you can end things on good terms. It's always a good thing. Um, you know, the one thing that I would say is sometimes it, somebody seems like an ideal client in the beginning, but like, you know, Peggy, you were saying that people, they won't send you their stuff. Like as a service provider, you're reliant on what the client gives you. Like for mm-hmm. marketing, building a website, I I need content. I need information. And so we have had a couple of times where people are like, you didn't meet our deadlines, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you didn't get, this is three months of emails. Like we've been asking you, there's no way to meet the deadlines if you don't answer questions, if you're not looking at the draft website, if you're not giving us what we need to move forward. And so mm-hmm. in those situations, you just have to reevaluate and say, look, like, let's revise the timelines. Yeah. Can we work together? Are you able to get us this? Do we need to do this in phases? Try to decide if you can move forward or not and give the client the option of like, hey, do you want to keep working together? Do you want to move forward? Do you think a really good question is, do you think this is working? Mm -hmm. And then just listen. I do that with staff too. (laughs) And And then the other thing is when you when you have that conversation, then you can bring up, you know, here are the things that we need to change to make this work. Right. Right. Yeah. And and it's a wonderful conversation to have. I'd like to say that those happen a lot, but genuinely they don't happen that much. Yeah. <laughs> I find that once you encounter that kind of a client, you you often just have to walk away. You know, a tiger doesn't change its stripes and it's just yeah. sometimes it's just not gonna work. I do find, though, you know, with the changes that have been happening in the business ecosystem in the last couple of years, it's not always a, you know, bad client in the way that they are mean to your staff or that they're disrespectful or take advantage of different things. It really could just be that their changes have, you know, changes in their business has resulted in them not being um, an ideal client for you. And so that those are the conversations that I find I'm having a little bit more is we don't want to be, you know, asking you, are you hiring people? Are you training? Are you expanding into new markets? And what you're actually doing this year is, you know, we're just kind of laying low and seeing where things stand. Well, there's no point in having a consultant um, helping and looking into grants for you if those are not the activities that you're going to be doing. And I think that the challenge often is the loyalty you know, because maybe that client has been with you for five years or mm-hmm. maybe, you know, you know that there's opportunities to help them once they're ready to go. So I think it's it really is very necessary to have a very transparent conversation and part ways in a very amicable way and understand that that letting them go is actually helping them. You know, they then save that annual fee that you would be charging or the minimum that you would uh, require. And that's not really where they need to be putting their efforts right now. It might just be, you know, determining kind of where their business is going and prioritizing activities within the business. So I think that there's also that side of firing client. Obviously, you know, there's the unreasonable entitled clients that might not uh, be a fit for your values. But there's also these other ones where, you have to make an educated decision whether or not you're able to serve them. And because we are a service-based business, right? We're not one of these like, oh, sign on and, you know, we just renew you without telling you. And uh, then you just keep paying us. Like, I think the values alignment really needs to be there. And if you have suppliers or, or companies that are charging in that way and they're just kind of hiding the cost and you're not getting the service, 
You know, it is, it's sometimes hard to find that, you know, it's hidden in the books. And so uh, making sure that as a service provider, you're also reviewing, you know, what is the impact that you're making on your client base? So just a couple of, you know, thoughts on that end. I'd love to do a quick, you know, quick fire on this one um, and go around the table and just ask a little bit of either best practices on the firing a client side or anything that you've learned um, in the session you know, with another serenity sister or something that you forgot to add in? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, like, I'm just going to kind of repeat myself, you know, know who your client is and stick to the plan. And uh, because uh, if you know who your client is and what you can, what service you can provide, you're you're going to keep those clients happy and uh, and, uh, and and eliminate the clients that don't fit into that mold. I think that's probably the most important to me. Yeah, Nina. So it just, it has to be a win-win for both the client and for yourself. So just like keeping that in mind and if things are changing for the client or yourself, then that's when you have to reevaluate things and have those good conversations. I will caution on the pain in the ass fees that some companies do. Like this client's a pain in the ass, so they have a different fee. I don't know if it's worth it. So like, just be cautious on that. Right. And then also be cautious on the clients that are startups that are saying, hey, I'm coming to you and I just have a really small budget. You just figure out what clients you can take on, what you can really provide them and find the, that target market that's a fit for you, where you're going to be able to give them the service or product that they need and it's a win for you and it's a win for them. If you, sorry, you are firing somebody. Sorry. I just do want to add that sleep on it. Think about it. Do not send emails where you're like, Mm -hmm. you know, writing angry emails or write the angry email, save it as a draft Talk to the people you work with, (laughs) edit, and then, and just like really, Sometimes it is frustrating, but it, it's not worth it. I find that it's not worth it to to send emails with a lot of emotion or anger. Uh, just look at solutions, look at options, and and focus on that. Where do you want to go? What what is the end goal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that, yeah. Rita. I'm just going to echo what everyone else is saying. Um, for us, we have a really really tough vetting process in our discovery session. Um, just to even get to us, um, it has to be done through a referral. And then the second step is a discovery session with Rita. Not with anyone else. You have to actually go through me. Um, And in that discovery session, we have very key questions that we ask and understanding of some red flags that I might understand better than others, which is why I have to take those. Um, So so having that process laid out for your firm, for your company, because you know what works good and, and how you're going to be able to service that company or not be able to. So the matching piece, it's got to be a win-win. You got to be able to help them. If I can't help you move forward, why would I take your money? One other piece is there comes a time sometimes in the life of a business where you end up with a client that has gone way far off you know to the deep end and there can be some legal concerns or reputational risk and at that point you can and or may need to involve a lawyer and i've had to do that a couple of times not many because of our vetting process i think we're getting better but there are some that's you know sneak in and (laughs) things change and who knows Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we've had our lawyers handle those pieces and those clients and so the letter gets issued by them um, but again, it, you have to be able to be comfortable 
with being able to say, I might need to get some external help. When you feel that risk is too high in your gut, reach out. Your lawyer will be happy. You will be happy. And they will handle the whole thing for you on your behalf. So it's okay uh, on that side as well. So there are extremes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Peggy. Well, I just think that it's prudent for a business to annually review the clients and realizing that getting um, clients off the table that draw on resources um, and don't contribute hugely to fees, and those two things together particularly are a bad combination, um, it actually frees you to do better projects. And that is really important to analyze, you know, where where is it? And, and not just from a profit point of view, but just from an employee satisfaction point of view too. Get those headaches off the table. Get those clients out of the books that that really don't contribute to the profitability of the company, but draw heavily on resources. And when you free up, like one year we freed up 30 of 130 clients, it left us available to do good work. It left us available to take on new clients, and it didn't pull the team down because of those bad apples, I would say. Yeah. I'm just going to add as a, you know, a newer entrepreneur, because we might have some listeners who are newer. And I, you know, it's really interesting, because when you first start out, and I did this as well as service based business, you just take everyone. So Mm -hmm. you don't know any better. And, um, and you you need to keep the business going. And so you're like, here's an opportunity here. This absolutely could be something like Peggy mentioned, you could be reviewing on an annual basis. And you may not be able to pull the trigger on all of the clients that aren't a perfect fit until you've got a flow of clients that are a little bit better. And I will say that by putting, you know, putting out there, what is the ideal client that you have, you're then attracting the clients that are a match for the values that you believe in and the size of company that you're working on. And so just making sure that you are, you know, you're not panicking from the start and listening to this as a startup or, you know, early in in your business and going, oh, geez, I got to really not do this. Well, you know, revenues are important. Yeah. Some of these lessons are learned. And there's also ways that you can train your client and have a conversation. You know, we do quarterly check-ins now. So we we are advising on a quarterly basis. If there isn't a touch point in between the quarters, we know at least every three months we're touching base. And so at that point, it's like, hey, we've noticed this. Is everything okay? And sometimes you don't, you know, it's really important not to make assumptions as well. Oh, they're not replying me because they must hate me. And it's like, no, 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 they're not replying you because they have COVID. (laughs) You know, there's a fire that needs to be put out. And so I think that that is a very knee jerk reaction. And also hearing the other side of the story is is probably what I would uh, mention as well. So startups, you know, don't worry too much, have an idea of who you want to serve and move in that direction. But um, don't feel like you have to have all the answers right away. That's absolutely not what we're saying here. I, th- mm-hmm. I think I really want to add really quick for startups, it, and I've seen this a lot in business forums that I belong to and Facebook groups about business is that, you know, people are asking, business owners are asking, what do I do when somebody doesn't pay me? Well, you you can't keep them as a client, yes. right? Yes. It's not your job <laughs> to finance 
a client's business. So you really have to be cautious. That's a huge red flag. If if the bills don't start, if they're not getting paid, you you have to address it immediately. And money is always a tricky thing when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur. Like nobody likes those conversations, but you have to get comfortable real quick talking about that. If you have a fee structure in place and they're not me- meeting those obligations, you have to have that conversation. I think yeah. that's the content of another podcast. Yeah. Yes, I was yes. just going to say <laughs> that. We are one mind. I think all of us were like, oh, that's a good one. Um, so sure again, on behalf of the Serenity Sisters, uh, you know, we hope you got some really good learning from this. Uh, you know, variety of different points were brought up in terms of how to identify a good fitting client. Um, how would you have a conversation? How do you do it respectfully? And also, how do you rank clients? And I think Peggy had a, such a good method and I we've we've adopted it at granted it's R and D called rip off and duplicate, not research and duplicate. <laughs> so um with that, you know, please feel free to share this uh podcast with someone who might be struggling with this. You never know when by sharing um these tips and, and these tricks and different things that we are um wanting entrepreneurs that are listening to be successful. And so sharing um, our learnings is hopefully able to pass on our knowledge and um, our experiences as well. So we'd love for that. And the reason is because we want to bring serenity to entrepreneurs. That is why we are serenity, mm-hmm. you know, serenity for all entrepreneurs. So we really want to thank you for listening in and um, please feel free to comment on things or maybe if you have a story, leave out the names, uh, but maybe you want to share something. So feel free to do that. And again, um, we in, are excited to do another episode, possibly on, um, you know, how to work on some of these details that we talked about earlier. Um, so we'll be probably touch base on that as well, because this is definitely difficult to have an episode in 30 minutes talking about such a big topic. Have a great night. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up some good tips and best practices that would benefit your entrepreneurial journey. Remember, none of the content in this podcast should be relied upon as standard legal or business advice. Always consult a professional for your specific business. You may know someone who could benefit from this podcast. Please share it with your business community and perhaps it can give an entrepreneur you know some serenity now.